super cut my finger on aluminum foil this week. That's my biggest fear. I also ha- I'm always, I'm also scared of cutting myself on the little like jagged strip that they have to cut the aluminum foil with. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I could not believe it. I never even thought that this was a danger no. in my life, and it is. Well, especially because like it's a roll of metal. Like I it should is. understand that. But it's just um. But it always cuts so cleanly. Like saran wrap, I can't stand. I want to throw the entire roll of saran wrap away in the trash. Most people have. That's why we have a problem with pollution. Yeah. <laughs> I miss being in like a restaurant and like you had the one that comes out and it goes, (laughs) yeah, Um, which now I've just sprung for the boxes that do that, but they're still not as good as like the restaurant. No, yeah, they aren't. But I've never worried about aluminum foil because it's so solid. I didn't realize that it could do what it did to my hand. I'm sure it was like such a thin cut. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But then you like feel like you're on one of those restaurant shows. Like, do I keep making dinner? Do I have to put on a glove? <laughs> Am I infecting the food? You know what I'm saying? How they make when they cut themselves. You can't like cook food while your hand is bleeding. You gotta get the little, the little finger condoms. Did yeah. you ever have to wear those? <laughs> at restaurants? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but like, I was like, where? I don't have them at home. Yeah. So I don't know. I do that when I'm climbing sometimes. Like, my fingers will start to bleed, and I'm like, oh, I'll just put tape around it. I'm like, that no i no i should no i should stop there, i don't want to get blood on the holds like that's not okay like yeah. <laughs> let me not bleed for this person yep exactly because like sometimes you look at the wall and you're like there's blood on the wall like <laughs> did that um but you listen guys it's been two weeks it's so two i weeks? needed to tell you about all of my injuries yeah. and that was the most recent i had a lot of injuries the last couple of weeks but we are about to start season 15 it's going to be fun. We're not here to talk about cuts. No, we're here to talk about history. On the rocks! With Katie. And Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. We talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time. And we are not historians. No. So <laughs> we have done our best. We've compiled. I've compiled a lot of stuff tonight. <laughs> I did not realize what I was getting myself into and I think same way. <laughs> that is what we're going to be like this season because we decided the theme for this season is just bangers. Mm-hmm. And if this is your first episode with us, a banger is a person that like they're they're have a w- very well-known name, a very well-known story. Or if it's less well-known, it's really good. And that's why we included. Yes. Yeah, so it's like you might not know the person's name, but you they did something that impacted your life Uh (laughs) so we're really excited about this season but that means a little bit longer research for us (laughs) unfortunately unfortunately um we're putting in the hours which means you better get on patreon and pay us (laughs) (laughs) but uh before we get into the actual stories and the cocktails themselves we need to talk to you guys about something Mm. because maybe you are pulling out your credit card and joining Patreon right now to support us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want you to mess up those numbers and for the payment not to get through. So we want you to stay focused, stay on track, but maybe you're also wondering at the same time, what do these women look like? Yeah. <laughs> so in order to keep you focused, we're going to describe them for you. We're going to get a little physical, physical, also join our Patreon. Uh, Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like? I am doing Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley. Oh, oh she's gosh. been on the list for so long. so long. 
She's usually depicted as a young girl with long curly brown hair and a puffy bang. She wears a cowboy hat and a fitted corset with a T-length skirt. She usually has a shotgun and a very small waist. And photos of her typically sapia tone because mm-hmm. of the time period they were taken in. But the thing about Annie is the pictures you see of her in her corset, that is like promotional photos Mm -hmm. for wild bills she was a very traditional woman and did not wear tight-fitting clothing and was not very showy she was always in a skirt she was a quaker so she was very conservative annie is very conservative and like the most famous photo of her is the one where she's looking in the mirror over her shoulder because she would do trick shots like Uh that where she would shoot over her shoulder by using a mirror to aim and it is a stunning picture but she never dressed like that (laughs) um so who are you doing and what does she look like i am doing isabella of castile right uh so queen isabella was a fair beautiful woman with strawberry blonde hair and blue eyes she was always described as being like super gorgeous And in her portraits, she has an oval face. She has kind of downcast eyes. She has very, very full cheeks and kind of a sleepy look, honestly. (laughs) But she is always portrayed in lavish royal clothing and some sort of headdress, whether it be a crown or a simple veil. But yeah, very pale, strawberry blonde, blue eyes, big cheeks. That's like the big takeaway from perfect. Her, the, her hair looks darker in later photos and like or photos. Photos. Portraits. I was gonna say I don't think there's portraits. any photos. Am I thinking of the wrong um, woman? So I don't know if her hair darkened with age or if like maybe the blonde hair was seen as more youthful, so mm. they painted it darker. Um, but yeah, but that's what she looked like as far as we can tell. <laughs> yeah. So while we're sitting here, I want to show Katie this picture of Annie Oakley looking over her shoulder. Look oh at that my waist. Gosh. So tiny. Yeah. She never, ever dressed like that. Yeah. That's like the <laughs> Wild Bill's pr- promotion photo. She also looks exactly like a girl I used to play lacrosse with called Caitlin Knight. And I just ran into her parents at Jerry D's the other day. Also, okay. I want to be clear. I keep calling him Wild Bill. It's Buffalo Bills Wild West. Wild Bill sells jerseys in Maryland. <laughs> He's like an Oriole and Ravens jersey salesman. That's right. So, Buffalo Bill. Sorry, Buffalo, everybody, Buffalo, Buffalo. for that mishap. Okay, um, tell me what I'm drinking. It okay. is like a like a cherry Coke color. Pretty much. Okay. So this is called Castile Crush. Mm. It is bourbon, red wine, liqueur 43, and orange juice all mixed together. And then you top it off with a splash of Coke. (laughs) Talk dirty to me. Mm. That's pretty good. I love it. Mm. I I love love it. In my mouth. (laughs) Um, I was really bummed because I accidentally bought sugar-free Coke because that was like. I was just going to say the cocktail makes the Coke taste a little bit flat. (laughs) It's just weird. It's just (laughs) sugar-free. Um, because I was literally, I was at a Royal Farms and I'm looking at the whole case and I was like, where is the Coke? I couldn't see it. And then it was like all the way at the bottom. There was like a couple of them. I was like, okay, that must be it. Cause it's the only one in the case. Didn't look at it. Cause it's a red label, mm-hmm. but it was black writing. And I looked and it said sugar free. So yeah, the white writing is the sugar. <laughs> <sighs> the black writing is the pepper. But that's okay. Okay. Um, but it's still good. You know, the cocktail. Yeah, it is. Good. It's I a good cocktail. Really like it. Just get, get sugar coke. Um, so what do you know about Isabella of Castile? 
Okay, so she was a queen on the Iberian Peninsula, where like present day Spain and Portugal are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she came from a family with a lot of money. I think, um, and I think that she helped use that money to fund uh, a journey to the Americas <laughs> mm-hmm. with Mister uh, Columbus himself. I think that Spain was going through the Inquisition, so they were like killing people that weren't Catholic. And I feel like, I don't know, the Spanish Inquisition was happening, I feel like, when she was alive. So that's all. I don't know anything about her life. I don't know where she got her money from. I don't know if she was born into royalty or not. Um, But I do feel like at some point I heard that, like, she was the powerful one in the couple between Mm -hmm. her and her husband. Perfect. That's all I know. I don't know if I'm right. All right. So, oh, and before we get started, I want to give a shout out to listener Sarah without an H. Mm-hmm. Sarah W. sent us a lovely email. Before I get into this story that I'm about to butcher, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about <laughs> Anne of Green Gables because we covered her a couple weeks ago and I was like waiting, waiting for an email <laughs> about my coverage of Anne Shirley because I, as soon as it was done, I was like, I did a bad job and, oh. I, was, and I was not very nice to Anne Shirley. I was like, people are going to be coming for me. <laughs> so Sarah W. sent us an email that was so sweet. <laughs> she was like, I hope that the, like, you know, she was just like very gentle about it. Yeah. And like, but also being like, Anne Shirley's such a great character. And like, here's five reasons you know, why. Here's the reasons why. And like, I totally agree with you, Sarah. I just, I felt like I was really harsh on Anne Shirley and I did not mean for that to be and so I just want to give a shout out to you and give a shout out to Anne Shirley and just thank you when you know for sending us an email that was nice yeah because I always worry about like emails coming in from people who like maybe disagreed with us or maybe were like upset about an episode because like I just felt like it was done with such care so thank you because uh the fear of those emails coming in keeps me up at night (laughs) um so I should say too that Alicia uh Gutierrez from Mm -hmm. California sent us a message about the Alice Ball episode towards the end oh god just no not a bad thing (laughs) she just we had it we had postured on the show like why was it so easy for her to get into medical school and stuff and Uh she just said at that point there were so few uh, black people on the West Coast that there just weren't laws about it in those oh. states yet. So the population oh was gosh. the reason. They just didn't have it in the books because not enough people had moved West. That is fascinating. So yeah, she gave me so many facts and oh. all this information about the Great Migration West and when they started adding laws. Because ah, we just, we asked that, that question on the show. Thank you to our West Thank Coast you. listeners gosh. who inform us about things we don't know about the West Coast. Oh, I love it. We have the best listeners. We really do. Oh, the best. All right, so... Some notes about the story I'm going to do today. <laughs> um, all of the people involved had various pronunci- like various names and pronunciations on their names. So I'm going with like the more general ones. Because mm-hmm. um, I watched a video from uh, tea- History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, And another one from See You in History. And sometimes people called her Isabel. Some people, most people called her Isabella. Some people called her husband Fernando, but I the most common one is Ferdinand. So if you have heard a different uh version of any of these people's names, I do apologize. But Sorry. it's just like it's all over the place. Um and the story also has like Game of Thrones level intrigue. So <laughs> too many people don't feel like you have to remember them all. I mean, we're talking about Spain in the fourteen hundreds. Yeah. So like 
it's very crazy. So again, we like talk to a medieval historian tonight. So I'm feeling very uh, nervous about what I'm going to do to this story. Butcher it just like they did to the non-Catholics. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So Isabella was born in the kingdom of Castile to John II of Castile and his second wife, Isabella of Portugal, on April 22nd, 1451. So she is born as a princess. Perfect. I knew she came from money. Mm-hmm. Did you see me say mm-hmm. that? <laughs> For some context, Castile was a kingdom of modern-day Spain, and uh, to the right of it was Aragon, another kingdom of Spain, which will come up a lot in the story, and like right to the left is Leon, and then there's Portugal on the coast. So just to give you guys kind of like a map of the areas that we are going to be talking about. You know how I love maps. (laughs) Her father was already 46 when she was born, and her mother was in her 20s. Um, He had four children with his first wife, Maria of Aragon, um, but only one of those children was still living. That was Isabel's 26-year-old brother, Henry IV, who was, of course, the heir to the Castile throne. So he's 26 when she's born. When she's born. Okay. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So two years after her birth, she had a younger brother named Alfonso. And a year after that, the king dies. And so Henry IV becomes king. Sure. Older brother. Older brother. So normally, you know, this would be, it's, it's normal. Obviously, he is going to be king. But I think because... There was that second son born of the stepmother. He got a little bit nervous, so he sent part two of his family away. He exiled them. Did the first mom... She died. Die. Yes. So it wasn't like she did something wrong and was killed or exiled. Not that I know of. I feel like the first queen gets precedent. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously like this is a one-year-old baby. Yeah. Somebody's going to be regent regardless. He's like a 30-year-old man. Okay. So they're exiled. Well, I don't know. Sometimes 30-year-old men are questionable. (laughs) So he is like, okay, you know what? Let's just get you out of the way. Um, So he exiles them to like a dilapidated castle in the outskirts of town and just leaves them destitute. The young families was largely ignored and would often go without food for long periods of time. But Mama Isabella worked hard to make sure that little Isabella and Alfonso were taken care of as much as possible. And she especially made sure that they were educated. Can you imagine that? Going from being the literal queen to your stepson kicking you out and you are struggling for food? Nope. Nope. Katie, that's like an I've made it moment. You're like, I've made it. Oh, when you like film a pilot for a show that's supposed to take off and it's like all these famous people and then the the pot doesn't mix quite right. (laughs) Devastating. Devastating. I can't. So time goes on and King Henry has a child. And then he graciously invites the family he abandoned to celebrate the first, the birth of his first daughter, Juana. Wow. So basically, now that he has an heir secured, they're allowed to come back. Even though it's a daughter, huh? Yes. Okay, Because he was like, even if I die, Juana will be the heir and like my lineage will be okay. So he's kind of been like, woo, like (laughs) no one's going to steal my throne. Things are better back in the castle. They now have plenty of food and clothing, and their education is even expanded. But they are also totally forbidden to leave the ga- from leaving the castle. <laughs> House of Rest! <laughs> How fun! <laughs> and that's because there was a lot of political turmoil going on, and he was trying to keep them very separate from it. 
Uh, but I love this. All the historians like to point out, they go, but Isabella knew what was going on the entire time. She was very smart and savvy. <laughs> she just went around and was like, spill that yeah. tea. Tell me about Isabella it. the mom or Isabella the, the daughter. daughter? The daughter. Daughter Isabella. Mm-hmm. Isabella Jr., mm-hmm. one might say. <laughs> IJ. <laughs> um, Cute. So- the nobles of Castile were not happy with Henry IV's rule. So those are kind of the rumblings that are going on that he is trying to kind of keep them from rabble, knowing. Rabble, 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 <laughs> <laughs> And they start to talk about making his 10-year-old half-brother, Alfonso, so that's how long this has been, <laughs> he's 10 now, heir to the throne instead of his daughter, Juana. But what about Isabella? Isabella's being passed over. Oh, because there's a boy. Because there's a boy. I see, I see. So I see, I they're see. like, we're going to pass her over. Uh, it's going to be Alfonso, even though he's 10. Um, they, they just they, changed that with Charlotte in uh, England. Oh, really? With Will and Kate's kids. Oh. They, because she was older. They just changed that law just recently. I wonder if he's pissed. Don't, I don't think he cares. <laughs> little Georgie. Little Georgie. <laughs> Georgie doesn't care. Or no, I think George was born first, Charlotte, and then the other boy. But she's not getting skipped in the middle. Oh, perfect. Something okay. like that. Fantastic. I might be entirely wrong. Okay. So where it's been 10 years, It's been 10 years. And part of the reason that the nobles kind of want to skip over Juana is because there's a rumor going around that Henry in Mari's words was not the father of Juana. (gasps) No, his wife. Uh, Yeah. Was stepping out. Well, he was known as Henry the impotent. So, (laughs) I don't blame her for stepping out. Okay, well, okay. So Henry is obviously pissed because this was the whole reason for exiling this little family in the first place and, like, trying so hard to have a kid. So, but now it's like everybody's back and he can't just send them away because there's a full-blown, like, 10-year-old and 12-year-old in the castle. That people know That people know about. And, like, they're in the mix. (laughs) So Juana's mother, Queen Joan, even tries to, like, murder Alfonso at some point by poisoning him. Joan? Just be like, okay, we'll just get the baby out of the way. Get him out of the way. And this makes the nobles even more sure that they want Henry out and Alfonso, like, Henry and his heirs out and Alfonso in. So they end up coming to this, like, really weird agreement that Alfonso can be named the heir as long as he marries Juana. So she can still be queen. So they're gonna, they're cousins. They would be uh, aunt, aunt and uncle. It would be her uncle. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're around the same age, ten and five, maybe. Uh, I would assume like no, I would assume like ten and like one because they come back for the birth, oh. for her birth and like her christening and whatever. I see. So everyone agrees, but then the so nobles swan princess situation. Mm-hmm, the nobles end up going behind Henry's back and just go crowning alfonso king and they just start a civil war with henry over like basically alfonso's like this 10 year old boy he's like i guess i'm the leader of this rebellion like what (laughs) nobles are always stirring the pot in medieval europe they're crazy (laughs) yeah they are crazy now i saw another video that also explained that there might have been a bit more to this so apparently henry was not the king that the nobles were expecting when he took over he didn't like to dress as a king he didn't like the pomp and circumstance so he wasn't really playing his part he's 10 no 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 this is the 30 year old henry (laughs) 
This is a crazy story. <laughs> I know. That's why it's so fucking confusing. I love it. No, I love it. So the nobles, like, so Henry's been king for a decade, and they, like, didn't like how he was handling he, it. He, like, won't take his shirt in. He wasn't in. acting very kingly. Okay. And worst of all, he didn't seem to have a problem with the Jewish and Muslim population. And the nobles were like, you have to crack down on them. And he goes, why? They're just being here. Like, Get out. What? Get out of here. So this <laughs> Wow, I kind of like yeah, Henry I know. Now. I know. <laughs> We're going to go that way with every character in this story. <laughs> so this sets off a five-year civil war in Castile. And Isabella is just kind of stuck in the middle of it right now. Stuck in the middle mm-hmm. of you. But when Alfonso is 15... He dies of the plague. As you do in As Europe do in, in the, the 1400s. Whatever time 1300s. This is. Who knows? Isabella. Oh, she was born in 1450 so, something. So 1450. Yeah. And twisty twisty, his will names his sister Isabella as his heir. And she suddenly becomes the new queen of the rebellion. Yes. <laughs> Isabella's like, all right, I'm not a boy. Warfare is not super cool with me this whole thing is stupid um so now that i'm in charge of like this other faction i'm just gonna try and compromise with henry she's princess leia at this Mm -hmm. point so she meets with him and they strike a deal he will name her the official heir to the throne of castile if he gets to pick who she marries (gasps) he's gonna pick a troll but she (laughs) says how about this you have final approval but you are not allowed to force me to marry anyone. And he goes, okay, deal. So I feel like that's just like what being a dad is. I know. <laughs> like being like a, a whatever you call it, like a responsible brother, cousin. <laughs> um, like somebody who knows you well and right, like can yeah. give you advice. It's so, not a real deal. I guess for women back then, that was a deal. Oh, yeah. I'm sure like, yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm making out like a coach. bandit. <laughs> so the whole question of Isabella's marriage was not new. She had actually been betrothed to Ferdinand of Aragon since she was six years old. As we know, she does, like, this is the Ferdinand and Isabella. So, like, obviously he's going to come back into the picture. We have have a lot of steps in between, though. Oh, nice. Just to warn you. Um, (laughs) So now that Henry has an opinion on all this, he's like, I don't want you to marry Ferdinand. I want you to marry his older brother, Carlos. And that's because... Henry and Carlos had been hatching a plan to join together and overthrow Carlos's father. So that's the king of Aragon. This is a real Sansa Stark situation. Isabella is Sansa Stark. She's just being married off to whoever because she's cute and the highest ranking woman. Exactly. So they get together and he goes, it's perfect. You'll marry my half sister. Well, I'll bring in my army. We'll overthrow your dad. It's going to be me and you, brother king's life they're like we love it we're Bro- here for it brother king and <laughs> but then carlos's father finds out about the whole plot and exiles carlos so goodbye carlos prospect number one down bam henry then tries to marry her off to the king of portugal because he goes okay if i can't go to the right i'm gonna go to the left right. portugal mm-hmm. who but this guy also happens to be his brother-in-law so this is his wife's so the queen of castile her brother is the king of Portugal. Okay, so Joan's so he's brother. Like, yeah, Joan's brother. And he goes, we're brother. <laughs> he on, loves man. the king brother come situation. On. He's like, come on, marry my sister. <laughs> he really is a playing matchmaker, yeah. matchmaker. And he's like, uh, no, I don't want to marry your sister because 
Juana is my niece. So obviously I want my closer relation to be the heir to the throne. So he's trying to side family. Blood's thicker than Blood, water. Yeah, fine, Blood, fine, yeah, fine, exactly. Fine, so fine. then he's like, okay, whatever. You know, so he refuses. Process Heard. number two, Heard. down. So now the nobles are getting pissed again. They want the future of Spain to be settled, and it is clearly not. Henry is failing them yet again. The country is running out of money. Another rebellion of a different kind is looming. So Henry decides, okay, screw the, you know, brother king situation i'm gonna marry her off to a wealthy nobleman so he finds this guy don pedro there are also some other sites that called him like something pachenko or something uh-huh but the one on wikipedia is don pedro he is a wealthy nobleman who said if you let me marry isabella i am going to deposit like a shit ton of money into the national treasury million with an m sure Billion with a B? (laughs) Whatever it was back then, it's billion with a B now. Yes. (laughs) Isabella was not pleased with this arrangement. She was being sold. Since this man was 28 years older than she was. And even though she had that clause about, like, you know, you can get final say, he goes, well, this is my final say. So the wedding was on. Isabella, being a pious young woman, prayed and prayed for this marriage to not go through. And lo and behold, while on his way to meet his fiancée, Don Pedro fell ill and died. Listen, that thoughts and prayers work sometimes. Thoughts and prayers. Prospect number three, down. Don Pedro, thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Isabella's like, okay, I'm done with this. My brother's an idiot. I'm taking things into my own hands. So she starts communicating in secret with John II of Aragon. Remember, Carlos's dad, who Henry tried to overthrow. And she says, how about I marry your son, Ferdinand, who I was already engaged to anyway since I was six. <laughs> and that way, I'm, we're not going to try and overthrow you. I'll inherit my kingdom. He'll inherit yours. And then both of our bloodlines will live on in infamy forever and ever. A great idea. He goes, I love it. So (laughs) Isabella arranges this marriage with her father-in-law. She sneaks away telling Henry that she's like, I'm going to go visit my family's graves. And he goes, all right, whatever. But she's really going to the border of Castile and Aragon. A treat. At the same time, Ferdinand is dressing up like a servant to sneak away to the border as well. And the two are secretly wed. (laughs) A little secret (laughs) matrimony. I love that. I need more secret matrimony in my life. I love it. This (laughs) was a big win for Isabella because while negotiating her own marriage, she included in her contract that when her and Ferdinand eventually inherit this giant piece of land (laughs) they got a double wide baby yeah they did (laughs) she goes we will rule together as equals yeah and that was in the marriage contract so everybody's like yeah we're fine with that That this is called the prenuptial agreement (laughs) and isabella created them maybe (laughs) so they married secretly on october 18th 1469 and then officially on october 19th they were seen as the perfect power couple both were intelligent with heads for strategy and business and like they could just think ahead and they could negotiate really well with people so when henry the fourth of castile finally died on december 11th 1474 it felt all too natural for isabella to be officially crowned 
the queen of Castile and Leon. So this is the kingdom right to the left. So not quite as far as Portugal, <laughs> but the one in between. Sandwiched in there. Mm-hmm. But Isabella knew that a queen would not be the most welcome news for everyone on the Iberian Peninsula and that other rulers might see her as weak and try and invade. So she takes refuge in Segovia, where she receives the support of Andres of Cabrera and Segovia's council. And her prediction was correct. <laughs> Almost immediately, the gang of Portugal invaded. They're like, get a girl out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they like nailed up a sign, no girls allowed, and the R's backwards. You know what I'm exactly. saying? <laughs> so the king of Portugal, remember him, he was suitor number two that refused because he's like, uh, no, my niece should be queen. Right. Well, that did Juana. kind of happen because he married Juana. His, That's like, distressing. Baby That's I distressing. I hate it so much. Yeah. So, yeah, he marries Juana, and then he's hoping to take the throne back for the both of them because he's like, well, Juana now is stuck with just Portugal with me, <laughs> so now I'm going to try and get the whole peninsula. I want to play Risk right now. I know. Let's play Risk. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts a war with Castile. Of course. This war lasted a year until the Battle of Toro. So technically this battle was a draw, but Ferdinand and Isabella had sensed an opportunity. So the battle's a draw, but they start spreading rumors around the peninsula that (laughs) that they had won and they had like totally obliterated and before (laughs) they're gaslighting people (laughs) and then you know news travels a little slower back then and there's no picture proof just a bit yeah so by the time people like were hearing that like oh castile totally smoked them all these nobles are like all right i'm pulling my i'm not putting any more money into this stupid war that we're obviously losing so Portugal lost all of their support just because of a rumor that they started. What? Oh my, this is like high school mean girl shit. I know. I love it. Just spread the rumor. <laughs> Isabella, what a treat you are. So Portugal surrenders and they go home. Um, <laughs> there's like another little rebellion, but Isabella just like rides out and like, you know, deals with it herself. That was like all it said about that. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> By this point, Isabel has already had her first child, another Isabel. And it had the courts, uh, and she had the courts name uh Isabel the third heir to the throne. So basically again, pointing out that like her lineage is not going anywhere. She's like, I have a kid, it's secured. On the on the paper, it says, this is my heir. And, like, her dad had been king previously. Her yeah. brother had been king previously. It's like, all she, in the family. She has got the paperwork. Exactly. To prove that she is responsible like, for the I'm throne. not getting exiled again. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once. Yeah. <laughs> so then she has a miscarriage, unfortunately. Oh, no. And then she gives birth to her son, Juan, which really cemented her rule. Oh, like, she had female a boy, heir, fine. Male heir, now that's what they wanted to hear. And Henry did not have that. Mm-mm. So things are settled for the most part. Portugal is still not super friendly with them, but they eventually came to a kind of agreement. Again, she's really good at negotiating. So she was like, all right, you guys are on the coast. You have a fantastic navy. What if we give you more control of the waters around Castile and we get a little bit more land? And they said, fine, that sounds good. So that's the negotiation. Then, just four years after she was coordinated, coordinated, Ferdinand's father died, which left 
Aragon to Isabel and Ferdinand. So now they are in control of Castile, Leon, and Aragon. Triple wide. Mm -hmm. So, but in a smart move, they decide to keep the kingdoms separate. Like they rule them together, but they understand that like provinces. Exactly. And I feel like the um, the queen of like Denmark or something, you remember Margaret, Mm -hmm. Margaret of Denmark, she did the same thing. She's like, well, everybody has different cultural things. So like, we're just going to keep it, you know, as separate, you know, because of it's better. So we said earlier that they were known as the Catholic monarchs, or maybe I meant to say it. And I didn't. But we talked about we talked about Catholicism several times so far. Hold on. The Muslim. We said Muslims and I Jews. Stapled my papers wrong. Oh, wrong order. So bring I it back. On two pages, I have. They were known as the Catholic monarchs, and then we said earlier that they were known <laughs> as. The <laughs> listen, sometimes you don't add page numbers. And listen, we have talked about. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition and <laughs> not liking Muslims and Jews a little bit. So yeah, I feel like we're, we're all, way into it. We're tracking. We're tracking. We're so they were known as the Catholic <laughs> monarchs and true to their name. They ended up having seven children together with five living. Uh, Isabella the second or third, however you want to look at it. Juan. Uh, then there was another Juana, um, but she's also known as Joanna. Uh, there was Maria. Wait, and- after her stepmom? I, there's only so many names in the 1400s, Allie. <laughs> what about, I mean, they're naming her after Joan of Arc, who just got burnt for heresy. We got Joannas and Juanas, and they're all, inter- like, people said the More Carloses. Like, it's wild. I love it. Um, I actually, fine. <laughs> fine. And I then, guess. of course, their youngest was Catalina, a.k.a. Catherine. Catalina, AKA, like the salad dressing? A.K.A. <laughs> no, the wine mixer. Um, A.K.A. Catherine of Aragon, who would go on to marry King Henry, Henry VIII. VIII. The, first, the first wife of King Henry VIII. But we already covered her. And also, this is the same liqueur 43 that we've been drinking ever since we covered her. Just so we know that if Allie and I get sick, that's why. We are going to die tonight. But we already covered like her. Like both of these women. <laughs> so let's keep talking about her mom. Okay. So now that she has her heirs lined up and the kingdom secured, she set about tackling smaller issues, ones that her idiot brother had caused when he was in charge. <laughs> what a dummy dummy. So apparently her brother was not heavily invested in keeping peace in Castile. So under his rule, crime was running rampant. Rapes, murders, burglaries were happening on like a daily, if not hourly basis. Was he just like, it's fine. I don't want to deal yeah, with it. He's like, whatever. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to win international wars, baby. Be King brothers with some guy. <laughs> I don't care about what happens in my <laughs> land. So Isabella was like, we got to make a police. So she forms a police force called the Holy Brotherhood. Love it. And she earns a reputation for being a lover of justice. Like people are like, thank God there's like someone stepping in to be like, this has to stop. I mean, except I think you're like guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> like, yes. I feel like justice is a strong word. It is a strong word. Punishment, I think, would be right. And also, yeah, because uh, <laughs> justice doesn't mean mercy. She was not known yeah. as the queen of mercy. <laughs> Her police force, unsurprisingly, fought violence with violence. Yeah. <laughs> and they just ended up murdering tons of burglars. It was time. Which is like, <laughs> did the burglars need to be murdered? Like, <laughs> probably not. Um, this but is not least... an eye for an eye situation, girly. Oh, yes, but she thought it was. <laughs> so everyone deserved death. So there were less criminals, 
but there was a bit more bloodshed. I mean, did it deter crime? Yes, I wonder. It did. Okay. I mean, I would, I would, successful. I would not do a crime if they were like for sure going to kill you. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, no, nah, that's all right. So her next mission. I'll find some consensual sex. <laughs> her next mission was to fix the country's treasury department. So as we mentioned earlier, Henry was not so good with the money and he had left the treasury utterly depleted. And he did make an attempt at earning more money for the crown. And that was selling off land that the crown owned really, really, really cheap. Which ended in them losing a lot of land and not fixing their money problem because he basically sold it for like peanuts. <laughs> so what is wrong with him? I don't know. Did I don't he know. go to school? I don't think he had like a, a, a like a head for like leadership. Leadership. Poor guy. So <laughs> what is it like to be born like that when you're I like, know. I just want to be a blah blah blah. He like was not made for this. He really wasn't. I mean, I'm not either. I would no. be a terrible politician. <laughs> I'm not saying you're an idiot if you're not a good politician. Just no, like some God people no. aren't good politicians. No, they are not. So I mean, some of the ones we have yeah. are not good politicians. Not good. So the nobles urged Isabella, they're like, we got to take care of this. They're like, just take the land back from those people. Sure. Because they knew what they were doing. Like, they were opportunists. Like, they know that they got a really <laughs> good deal. Like, there's no way that, like, that land costs less than, or like, whatever, two cents. Yeah. What did, what if, whatever the thing was. <laughs> what if France did that with the and Louisiana the purchase? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're going to take that back. Deal of the century. <laughs> So I think Alaska was the deal of the century. That was our cheapest deal. Really? We just bought that from Russia. It's our biggest state, like the, our largest U.S. state. We bought it for like two cents an acre from Russia. That's a pretty good deal. It is a good deal. We got all the oil now, bitches, yeah. but we're not going to use it because of the environment. Exactly. And I mean that seriously, not sarcastically. Yeah, no, no, no. Please <laughs> that was don't not sarcastic. Um, so, but she's like, we can't just take it back. Like they did buy it. Like that's not very fair. <laughs> um, she goes, again, I love justice. That's not very just. <laughs> so she gave them two options. She said, look, you can either pay the difference on what the land should have actually cost, you know, baby. or we can buy the land back from you at the price that you originally paid. And of course, most of the people saw the value in coughing up like a little bit more money now than getting this really tiny amount back and then being left with no land. So the financial crisis was looking much better after this because most of the people just paid the actual amount of money. She that just they should raised have. the rent at the strip mall. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. Yep. <laughs> Henry had also devalued the currency of Castile. Oh, by- <laughs> deflation. Henry, what a problem. Because he his was wiener like, and his cash flow. Nothing's working. Because he was like, I think we should have a ton of like different types of currency floating around. <laughs> like they put a picture up and it was like nine different coins that like. <laughs> so he basically like flooded the market with like weird currency. And she goes, nope, not doing that. All of that is useless. We have one coin. It has Ferdinand and I's face on it. And that is it. Rule number one, like scarcity brings value. You crazy boy. So the value evened out and inflation was tamed. Okay, cool. <laughs> then she did what it seems most of the capable female rulers we covered do. And she restructured the government. <laughs> she didn't like that the men in charge were simply handed their roles. And even worse, they didn't even really do their jobs. Mm-hmm. They made lower class men do all of their work, 
but they still got paid very handsomely and got pensions for the, their whole lives for basically doing nothing. Well, I'm glad she fixed that for the rest of us. Yeah. Because <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. It happen anymore. It's, it's never happened together. <laughs> so she's like, okay, all the men that are doing your jobs, like these technically lower class men that weren't born in nobility, but like these are like lawyers and like, like people with administration skills. And she goes, okay, so like, you're going to actually be paid for the job that you're doing. And like these nobles are going to be out of the way. Uh, and it also kind of helped her solidify her and Ferdinand's power because remember, these are the nobles that have been for, you know, the past couple of years been like, I want this King. I want that King. Like they have a lot of say. So she's like, let's quiet you up a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then they also wanted to be uh, more of like a couple for the people. So every Friday, they opened up the castle and let anyone in the kingdom come in and like voice their complaints directly to them so they could like actually like solve like everyday people problems. That sounds like a fantasy novel. It, like I, it's literally like the joke that is in every like movie about like this era, like right. medieval times. <laughs> like the person like coming in with a hog. Like, <laughs> My pig is sick. So anyways. So those are the good things that she did. But, of course, we have to talk about the bad. Oh, Isabella. (laughs) (laughs) We're back to it. That they were known as the Catholic monarchs. And that became even more true when they got together with Rome and the papacy and said, let's make a deal. We will make Castile, Leon, and Aragon full-on Catholic-only kingdoms if you allow us to pick the Catholic officials that we work with. So a little for me. Well, actually, a lot for you. A little for me. Mm -hmm. The Catholic Church wholeheartedly agreed. But unfortunately, this simple deal ended up turning into something called the Spanish Inquisition. Ding, 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 ding! Vocabulary word! You said she lived at the same time. Oh, she brought it right into the Iberian Peninsula. She caused it, baby! (laughs) She really did. She just really just took the multicultural Spain and just weaned it down to just one culture. Wow. Which is so annoying because I'm like, you purposefully left the region separate yes to not do this yeah i mean i'm sure there was influence from the papacy the catholic church the holy roman empire whatever you want to call it at this time is so fucking so powerful powerful, Mm -hmm. so strong and then also so influential even to people in power because like remember a big portion of the bible is like insulting really wealthy people mm-hmm. a huge portion of it so a lot of it is prayer that you are going to be better because you're yeah. so wealthy mm-hmm. i know like like it, I, I used to like read some of the bible and be like i would feel so shamed if i had money to be a christian i would feel so ashamed mm-hmm. because most of the bible is like you should not have that <laughs> like yeah. give it away that's you're, why it's you're being dumb. like to see like these like people call them like like inter-christian cults like that teach like the prosperity gospel yeah are, like you're not like God doesn't favor you unless you're like uber wealthy. Yeah, or <laughs> like even weird. you know, is the Holy Roman Empire mm-hmm. kind of weird? They're super fucking wealthy, but yeah, I just think like they were probably just like everybody else at that time, scared of witchcraft, uh-huh. scared of whatever, and probably duped into the very same like I need to do this to rid my country of yeah. these terrible people in order to like go to heaven or whatever. Yep, exactly. I'm um, assuming I know nothing about 
Who Isabella knows? and Ferdinand <laughs> and their personal religious yeah. beliefs. Um, so fun fact, up until this point, the region of the Iberian Peninsula and Spain, you know, had a booming Jewish population. But since the Jews are the scapegoat of everything, um, countries started to use things like the plague as a reason to persecute them, being like, well, the plague was obviously the Jews' fault. Yeah, the Jews <laughs> and immigrants. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's always like, anybody who it came here from someone fault. else, you obviously brought this illness here, yep. idiot. So following the lead of England and France, who had already <laughs> sent the Jewish population away, uh, Castile gave them two options. They said... You can either convert to Catholicism or you can leave. But to make it even a little more anti-Semitic and fucked up, if they left, they couldn't take anything with them. They had to surrender all of their wealth to the crown. Half left, half stayed and converted. But then the authorities were on constant watch to see if they actually converted or if they were just pretending. And, of course, there were other religions and ethnic groups like the Christians and the Muslims who were under the same, like, rules and investigations. But, like, there was such a large Jewish population. And, obviously, like, they had already pushed out the Moors by most of the Muslims, like, with all the conflicts with the Moors this time anyways. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, Protestant Christians were being killed and, and, like, saying, oh, you're not not the right kind of Christian. Exactly. Or even if you converted, it was like, but you're praying the wrong way. So, obviously, you're breaking God's laws. Yeah. Everything, heresy, 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 everywhere you looked. So they had appointed an inquisitor general named Tomas to head up the investigation, which, of course, encouraged people to call in tips on literally anyone. A tip line. Like you said, even folks who had been Catholic like the entire time are now suspected of being heretics because they aren't practicing it the right way like you just said this led to a lot of false confessions eventually because they're being tortured <laughs> oh yeah and so they're just claiming that they're doing things like you know kind of similar to the witch trials you know that they like didn't do or this is also a very interesting thing sometimes people would just go in and be like hey sorry i did laundry on a saturday yeah and they'd be like oh <gasps> All right, you're a heretic, but like that's not so bad of a crime. So like you're just gonna get a light punishment. That would basically you'll get like, like a month in jail. Yeah, that would like get them off of their back because they're like, if I was doing any other heresies, I would have just told you because obviously I'm trying Maybe to confess. This one. And like if you never turned yourself in, because I think when the inquisitors got to your town, you got like 40 days to turn yes. yourself in, mm-hmm. and then people could start accusing each other. Yes. So it's like if you're gonna go to jail for uh, 40 days or get a light beating like yeah. yeah just go in and make some shit up yep exactly just get it over with yeah so for the next 350 years yeah. Catholic <laughs> carried out all sorts of torture and murder um in the name of god which in my opinion was not what he wanted to happen no um but yeah and the treatment of like the jews is always cited as like specifically like horrific oh, in yes. this case yeah i mean i'm sure in, in in most circumstances where there's religious, you know, warfare of that kind or like religious persecution, the Jews are singled out as a very specific yeah. ethnic and religious group. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's bad for everybody, but it's worse for you. Ding, exactly. ding, ding. So that's a bit of a blemish on the power couple. Um, their next big kind of fucked up thing came about in 1492. Did somebody sail the ocean blue? But it's not that. Not oh, yet. damn it. Another thing happened in 1492. Shit. So for years, 
their ancestors had been slowly pushing out the Muslim population or the Moors from the Iberian Peninsula. But there was one stronghold left, the southern base of Granada. Well, yeah, because the the southern Spain and Portugal is like next door to Africa, which is like an entire Muslim like population. Yeah, literally so, almost touches Algeria. I bet I could swim it. You, I, I really, I think you could. <laughs> so they were like, "All right, everyone's tried to do it. We're going to finish this. No. We're going to take the rest of the peninsula." So they invaded, and after ten years of fighting down there, they officially conquered Granada in 1492 and made the largest mosque in the area into a church but in a small gesture of we'll call it goodwill i guess they did allow any muslims that were still in the area to remain and they from what i understand didn't make them convert interesting so this area had different rules i think they really were just like we just want to say we did it you know so we're going to be in charge you guys can stick around, but, like, we want to say that, like, we have the power here. Right. And if you want to use it as a bingo hall, use Whatever. it as a bingo hall. Like, it'll be fine. But, of course, in 1499, they went back on their deal and brought the Spanish Inquisition right into the area. Sure did. <laughs> you got 40 days. <laughs> Get <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Seven years to <laughs> be here peacefully. Eviction notice, baby. More torture, more bloodshed. Sure, sure, sure. Not good. That's super annoying. But the other... How come God's never Sodom and Gomorrah-ing this shit? I don't know. Because they think they're right. I need that Old Testament God back. Mm -hmm. But the other big thing in 1492 (laughs) was, of course, when the king and queen decided to sponsor a young explorer who wanted to find a quicker route to the East Indies. Wait, did they send heresy to North and South America? they did. Did they murder an entire race of people? Crazy. Christopher Columbus. So (laughs) it sounded like a promising way to engage in the spice trade with Southeast Asia. So they were pretty excited about this. This is a smart move. They're like, you know what, buddy? (laughs) Find a new path to India. We are three kingdoms combined and Granada. So do whatever you want. Which I also think, (laughs) I think he had been turned down by several other countries and he was like begging at scraps at this point. And they were like, Oh, this is our way to open up the trade. Because notice he's Italian and the Italians didn't send him. Yeah. (laughs) Because also like the Italians are very close to the Silk Road. Spain is not. So like they have to go through a whole extra step, either around Africa or through the Mediterranean Sea. There's so much more going on. So they're like, if we want to get involved in the trade, figure out a new way, baby. If you're saying we're on a sphere, go for it. (laughs) I love the idea of it. Get right on around there, baby. And of course, as the story goes, he set sail in August and returned the following year without the Southeast Asian spices, (laughs) but with the news of a continent that they did not know existed. He's like, I got some corn. Guys, (laughs) have you heard of maize? (laughs) So he brought back maize and gold and enslaved indigenous people, (laughs) which, we're going to come back around on this point, Isabella was not pleased with. Cool. She was very against enslaving the indigenous people. That's good. She told him specifically, she goes, look, we also have a thing with the Canary Islands. So like on the Canary Islands, 
enslaving the indigenous population, you know, unless they're being like, you know, criminals or whatever, like is like not acceptable. She's like, right. let leave them be. And he obviously did not listen to her. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in 1500, Isabella granted all non-rebellious natives in the colonies citizenship and full legal freedom by decree. So, like, I really believe that she was anti-slavery. Like, True, but non-rebellious also meant convert to Christianity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had to also leave your religion so, and culture behind. <laughs> don't cause a problem when we come in. <laughs> Button up your shirt, show up on Sunday. Exactly. So it's still fucked up. Like, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, yeah, that, yeah, like, no. we're going to wipe her of her sins right. when it comes to Columbus. No, and I mean, also, they brought over so many diseases. Like, oh, I think yeah. something like two-thirds of the population died yep. the, where they landed in the in the um caribbean islands it was just traumatic it really was but she went as far as to have columbus columbus arrested at some point for disobeying her (gasps) she was like i told you not to do that and you fucking did it well high power boys do that to women in charge a lot yep a girl say don't do that and they do it and they're like oh i didn't think you meant it yeah well well, i did because no one else in the kingdom was backing her up on this so like do you know how much money we can make off of enslaving these fucking people well, but she was so, hungry for like three years at one point yeah. <laughs> as a child. <laughs> so no one else listened to her Aww. and no one else was keen on enforcing these rules. Sure. So Fernando and the new king of Portugal, not the one she was supposed to marry, but the next one, um, I guess him and his niece's son or daughter, whatever, um, they are like, no, nah, we're not going to listen to you about this. And they just keep sending teams back to the New World to break it up for their two kingdoms. Mm-hmm. This, of course, led to mass genocide and enslavement that we are still, I mean, like, reeling from today. Like, it, the impact was so horrendous. So now that that is settled, <laughs> it was, like, now that I feel like... Now that two of the biggest crimes in human history yeah. are rested on the shoulders yeah. of this woman. <laughs> now that they're responsible for two mass genocides, <laughs> they're like... Our legacy is sealed. We could go for the hat trick, but but why don't we just focus on our family? So they (laughs) are now focused on marrying off their kids because they're like, we know that like that is like how our legacy is going to be passed on is like through our children. Everything the light touches is yours, (laughs) Isabella the third. So they marry their firstborn, Isabella, to the new king of Portugal, who we mentioned, to secure that bond and be like, all right, we're not going to go to war anymore. We're going to be friends. Iberian it up. Mm -hmm. And when Isabella died in childbirth, she was replaced by her younger sister, Maria. Weird. This poor girl gave birth to 10 children before she died of exhaustion at 34. Same. Juan, Juan, sorry, there's Juan and a Juana. Juan the boy was married to <laughs> Margaret of Austria, but unfortunately died at 19, like right after the wedding. Weird. Isabella's really devastated by this one. Like her only son was gone. Yikes. So Juana. <laughs> Daughters are expendable, <laughs> yeah. as we know. So then Juana became heir to the vast kingdom that they had acquired. But unfortunately, she also seemed to be suffering from some sort of severe mental health issues. And she later acquired the name Juana the Mad. So we'll obviously have to do an episode on her at some point to 
explain what was going on there. I don't know. Your parents just murdered millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. Who's mad? <laughs> Who's actually crazy? <laughs> and of course, their greatest success was Catherine, who is one of the most famous queens of England. And Bloody Mary's like, mom. That's crazy. We've covered not only Catherine, but Bloody Mary as well. Like, and then Elizabeth. I know. The first. And Anne Boleyn. Like, everybody is connected to this Isn't woman. wild to it's think about? It's so crazy. Ugh. It's just like when we covered Queen Victoria and, like, her 12 children went on to, like, marry every single person. She's, like, the grandmother of Europe monarchs. Exactly. Crazy. This I know. This is how Isabella is. It is. Yeah. And that's and it was so on purpose, too, because she was like, I want to make sure that we have our hand in the pot. Because, like, also, Juana married a Habsburg. From, like, also, like, the kind of, like, Austria, like, right. Amsterdam kind of area. So, <laughs> everybody's marrying everywhere. Right. Perfect. So, but after so much tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, and especially with the loss of her son, Isabella took to wearing black and retreating from public life. In her last will, before she died, she did give some instructions to her children. Do not give rise to or allow the Indians, the indigenous Americans, to receive any wrong in their persons and property, but rather that they be treated well and fairly. And if they have received any wrong, remedy it. So that's like another like weird like point for Isabella. It's like she wrote in her last will and testament to her children, like, if you have any say in this, like, please do treat, something about do it. something about this. Like, I really think that she was like not okay with the things that Columbus was doing. Like, and so that was like her last, one of her last messages to her kids was like, try and do something because like, I put you all in positions of power, try and do some good with it. Well, and think about all the money hungry men she'd been around her whole life. She knows they're going to mistreat the people that are lesser. Yeah. And it's (sighs) fucked because obviously it's like, she's not extending the same grace to people who are non-Catholics in her own country. So it's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to give her like she's giving, any kind of point. It's a li- it's a half right a point now. because she's it's still seeing them as like quote inferior, exactly. almost like savage like, which was what was happening. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like she is acknowledging like we can't just go in and destroy other people for no reason. Yeah. Oh, Isabella. <sighs> I know. So on November 26, 1504, Isabella died at the age of 53. She is a very complicated figure because I do think that she was an intelligent and capable woman who did do some good things, but she undoubtedly, between Columbus and the Spanish Inquisition, has a lot of blood on her hands. And because of those things that she was a part of, she has been refused canonization. People have been pushing for centuries to have the Catholic monarch made a saint, but even as recent as the 1990s groups of like jews and muslims have stood up and said absolutely not like i will not stand by and let her be made a saint when she caused so much harm yeah like like i agree i agree hard and i mean there's a lot of she's already a queen she doesn't need to be a saint like yeah there's also like (laughs) there's a ton of men though that have been canonized that are equal murderers so like true i like i understand what's happening but i think we're they were also canonized a long time ago. So I think yes. we're at an age where we do not have to take somebody who did perform these atrocities and make them a saint in the Catholic church. Like exactly. we, we have good decision-making skills mm-hmm. and it's, she did good things and bad things. She's in a gray area. She's not a saint. I like to call her in like 
canon purgatory. <laughs> Let's I all pray her the fuck out of there. Belongs. Poor baby. So she may not be a saint, but she is the first woman to appear on a U.S. stamp. Wow! Born. I didn't know this. And the first woman to appear on a U.S. coin. Oh my gosh. And in a way, <laughs> I think it's fitting because it's Oh, I shouldn't have made that purgatory joke earlier because I, <laughs> I wrote one. <laughs> I said it's a kind of legacy purgatory where I think, all right, we'll give her a stamp and a coin. I think that's good. That's enough. That's enough <laughs> for <laughs> the bad that she did. You did what you did. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's the story. Isabella of Castile. I hope it made sense. Uh, there it was did. a it lot did. It going did. on. Uh, a lot of names. I uh, decided early on in the story I was going to ask any question. <gasps> Good. Because if I was curious, then I felt like the listeners, listeners were curious. curious. So yes. I was like, I'm just going to talk it up and try to make this make sense. Because I know stories like that, political ones, are sometimes really hard. Yes. And now I feel like I have such a grasp on it. You did such yes. a good job. Thank you. It was really good. Thank you. All right. I'm ready for another cocktail and to listen for a little bit and not talk about the 1400s. <laughs> so let's do it. I'm ready. Eddie Oakley is so fun. <laughs> You're back at it. Part two. What a cute cocktail. I Thank love these you. martini glasses. Thank you. Mm. We got them from a restaurant website, so they're real sturdy, mm-hmm. so they don't die on us and break. I love that. Um, This cocktail, cocktail is called <laughs> Anything You Can Do, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I love it. Because we all know the end of it. Yes. Cheers. Oh, Wait, I didn't say what it, it was. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> it is whis- equal parts whiskey and cranberry juice. Ooh. And then limoncello with a cherry shot down the center with a cocktail <laughs> pick. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. I like it. I like it, too. So limoncello is funny with it. Yeah. I like it. It's, I did it with. Different. I did a take on. Um, there's a Buffalo Bill cocktail and there's a Annie Oakley cocktail. They all have whiskey. They all have like apple brandy. There's a lot of people trying to paint her as a Wild West woman and she was not. That's not who Annie Oakley was. Totally who I thought she was. So I love she was born in a penthouse in Manhattan. (laughs) Not quite. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere somewhere in between. Okay. All right. So tell me what you know about Annie Oakley. Okay. I know she was a sharpshooter. Uh Like. Did all these trick shots. Yeah. Which I can't comprehend how you, like, you do that. I don't understand it. Because guns are not uh, my forte. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like the bullet, especially back then, like, moves around in the chamber. How do you know? She was shooting a shotgun, too, <laughs> not a rifle. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I don't understand. Aren't there, like, pew, pellets yeah. coming yep. out of it? Lots of them. I don't understand that. Okay. Annie knows how to do it. I know she's a sideshow act. And that's like all I know okay, is that cool. she was a really good shot. And right. she was a like side, not, not sideshow even. Like she wasn't like a circus act per well. se, but she kind of was. <laughs> like, I don't know, but she wasn't in like Barnum and Bailey. And she right. wasn't like, um, you know, like a person who had like, you know, another arm coming out that mm-hmm. they're like, come on the road in this wagon. Right, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I, She's in a real weird gray area in my brain, you know, so I don't know exactly what she did, 
but she knew how to shoot a gun. I, I thought that. I knew about Annie Oakley, and then I started this research, and I was like, oh, shit. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff I did not know about Annie Oakley. Perfect. So History Chicks have done a whole episode on oh, her. Great. There are multiple biographies written about her. All of the information is wrong. <laughs> Thomas Edison has the only footage of her of all really? time. It's like a 20-second they were like neighbors in New Jersey at one point <laughs> with a rotoscope <laughs> and yeah I guess Nickelodeon whatever, whatever. he was taking yeah. film of her shooting these yeah. glass balls so I watched that obviously I've seen Annie get your gun because <laughs> who has it? me what the play Annie get your gun oh. that's where anything you can do I can do oh, better really? and there's no business like show business that all comes from Annie get your gun <laughs> didn't know that which none I of thought the- it came from the <laughs> The Mia Ham and Michael Jordan commercial. You idiot. Get out of here. Producer said the same thing two days ago. That's how I knew what you were going to say. You're so They wrote that for Mia Ham and Michael Jordan. No. Oh, that's for Annie Get Your Gun. I knew it came from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I went to, like I said earlier, my... Uh, Montana and Wyoming last summer, and there's a huge uh, Buffalo Bill Wild West show part of the museum out there in in Cody, Wyoming, that you get to see, and it's just such a great museum because yeah. it encompasses the um, colonists and the Western cowboys and the Native people. It's just such a good museum. There's a gun section where you get to go see all these old guns. I don't know. That it's, sounds cool. It was a really is the best part about being in Cody other than my cousin's wedding because yeah. <laughs> otherwise Wyoming was weird sorry well, everybody you didn't get to go to Yellowstone let's point that out like, yes because it was, it was flooded you didn't get to go because it was flooded but I so. went to small towns in Montana mm-hmm. and that was nice Wyoming is a different breed I feel like Wyoming is kind of like we have Yellowstone and then so like maybe the other things have gone to the wayside it's a little more red friendly too oh. than Montana. Montana has a little bit more blue billionaires. Well, they got the more, yeah, they got the Californians. Up <laughs> yes, there. they do. I don't think they've migrated to the Wyoming area. No, it was quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I felt out of my zone. Okay, <laughs> so Phoebe Ann Moses. What Phoebe Ann Phoebe? Moses? <laughs> Pam. <laughs> was born on August 13th, 1860 in a log cabin in Ohio. Now, her surname, I think, is Moses. It's sometimes listed as Mosey, but her she had lots of siblings that changed it depending okay. on time period. So Phoebe and Moses is what I'm going with. Okay. She was born in a royal rural part of the country where, like, Ohio is, like, bordering Indiana, but it's by no means the Wild West. Uh-huh. It's just, like, rural Ohio. Yeah. She went by Annie after her middle name, Anne. Her sisters thought that Phoebe was too fancy for her. <laughs> Annie's parents were Quakers of English descent from Pennsylvania. Up until five years before Annie was born, they had run an inn in PA, but it burnt down, and they lost everything so they moved to ohio to start over with an independent life separate from the east coast and i just want to right off the bat if we're comparing quakers to catholics quakers win every time yeah they have a much better uh, track record <laughs> they're so chill <laughs> her mom's name was susan wise her dad was jacob moses and he was 31 years older than his wife so dad is much much older Ooh. than mom Annie was the sixth of nine children and the fifth of seven surviving. At the time Annie was born, there were no sons in the family. It is all girls. It is a pure Tavia situation. Tavia? 
stevia situation. (laughs) And um, the girls are all working on dad's farm as well. So he plants crops, but it's all hands on deck. The older sisters are raising animals. They're learning to sew. They're cleaning. They're cooking. They're collecting eggs. Uh, But because there's enough older daughters, Annie becomes Mr. Moses's farmhand. She went into the woods with him. She's in charge of picking berries. She's in charge of putting out snares for small animals. She's in charge of running out to get the birds that her dad shot and bring them back like we use dogs today. Mm -hmm. Her dad, who had fought in the War of 1812, was 61 when she was born. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was old, old, because he had had all these other daughters. He's older than his wife. So he was already older, but one day he goes into town to sell their family farm goods and a blizzard hits Ohio. He's still out there. He's missing for days, (gasps) for days. The horse brings him back. He's entirely unresponsive. (gasps) He uh, held on for like a month, but dies officially of pneumonia at 66 years old. And he is six. Oh my gosh. Also, I'm picturing crazy old Maurice. Exactly. The amount of fictional stories <laughs> that you're about to get pri- privileged, Katie, it's crazy. Let's play a game. I'll call out all the ones that I think of immediately right okay. off the bat. I love that. So we started <laughs> with we'll see if we're on the crazy same old Maurice. Well, we went with Tevia. <laughs> now Tevia? we're on crazy old Maurice. Crazy old Maurice. Okay. Okay. This is devastating to the family emotionally, but also economically. (laughs) Um, There's a woman with all of these daughters and there's just nothing they can do for income. So the mom sells the farm and gets rent at a place uh, where she takes work as a maternity nurse. Her older sister, her eldest sister, dies of tuberculosis. So the oldest sister in the family is now 13. There's something like five girls. The oldest one's 13. She's keeping the house running. The mom's a maternity nurse. Annie one day looks up at the mantle and sees like her father's unused gun. She climbs up on a chair, gets down the gun. She's been doing this with her father from the time she right. was like five. She's like, I can do it. But she's got to load the gun, which is like a chore. Well, chore. First of all, she's got to get a chore. <laughs> we can't let it go. That's real chore. <laughs> It's a real chair. She's got to get down the 10-pound gun. First of all, she's eight. She eight has, years eight old. Eight years old. Get down this gun. She has to put in gunpowder, put in the wadding, which uh-huh. is like paper, put uh-huh. in the bullet, which is made of lead. Yeah, just a lead ball. Ram it down with a ramrod and then put on the percussion cap and hope it doesn't explode while you're about to shoot. I can't even imagine doing that as an eight-year-old child she, and being like, I hope it doesn't shoot me in the face. Exactly. She goes outside, rests it on the edge of the porch, sees a squirrel, and straight through the squirrel. What? Later on in life, she said, I put enough uh, gunpowder in there to kill a buffalo, so (laughs) I don't think. (laughs) The squirrel didn't have a chance. (laughs) Didn't have a chance. But when she tells this story, she says, quote, I saw a squirrel run down over the grass in front of the house, through the orchard, and stop on the fence to get a hickory nut. It was a wonderful shot going right through the head from side to side. <laughs> this girl. In the wrong night. <laughs> <laughs> that song reminds me of ice speed skating <laughs> so much. What? I just feel like the rhythm of that song. I could picture somebody speed skating to it like <laughs> Apollo. Apollo Ono. <laughs> 
listen to it next time. The diamond of the 2008 Olympics. Whatever that was. So stupid. Now he's an announcer. Good for him. Good for you, follow. Okay. So she's super young. And she's the youngest sister hunting in the forest to keep her family alive. <gasps> Vera Archibald. There we go. Oh, this is our next gosh, literary. Our next big ticket literary <laughs> moment. So she is literally supplementing the family meals by killing these animals in the forest as an eight-year-old girl. Her mom remarries another man named Daniel. They have another daughter, and then he dies. So now, again, her mom's widowed a second time, but there's another mouth to feed. The county where they live has an infirmary, which is a place for orphans, physically and mentally handicapped children and adults, and then kids whose parents could no longer afford them. So she and one of her sisters are sent to the infirmary. It's not like a stay away forever. It's just like, let them feed you. Yeah. While I um, exist over here in this house. Yeah. Like, I actually, like, in a way, I feel like it. Like, obviously, a lot of kids just got left there, and it was, like, not great for them. Mm -hmm. But, like, it gave parents a chance to be like, I'm not leaving you forever. Like, I'm going to come back for you. Yeah. Because, like, now it's, like, kids just get taken away by the the foster care system. And, like, who knows if the parents will get them back. Yeah. You know? And so now it's kind of like, okay, I just need a minute to, like, save up a little bit more money and, like, get another job. So, like, hold on. And a lot of times, for especially the kids that were left there for that reason, it was a little bit of a free public school because Annie had not been going to school. Since her dad died, she had nothing. She wasn't being taught to read or to write. She is hunting and putting squirrels on her family's table. So, uh, she's at the infirmary. She is nine years old when a local farmer shows up and says, I need an extra pair of hands around my house. And Annie loves being outside and she loves farm work. And she's like, this is a win win. I'm going to go. He's going to pay me 50 cents a week, which is like $11. And they're going to send me to school. So she is bound to this family, but they are not who they say. say they are. I don't like the cut of this guy's jib. And Not it's just bit. like a little girl that we just recently covered on the podcast who gets taken from an orphanage to work on someone's farm. Sorry, Anne Shirley. Anne Again, Shirley. I will forever be indebted Don't to you. be indebted to her. This is because this is the real life Anne Shirley. Anne of Green Anne, like she is Anne of Green Gables. Really? Yeah. Imagination and all. And I will say, to defend <laughs> that point too, I reread Secret Garden. And I was like, okay, if I were doing this for the first time, I'd be like, cut it with the magic talk. My God. <laughs> the word magic is used just as many times as imagination. Crazy. And so people didn't know how to write back. Huge, then. huge. Fa- <laughs> <laughs> Charles, Charles Dickens, throw him out. And let me tell you, I love the secret garden so, so much. Love it even more after reading it again. But I was like, if I were reading it for the first time, I would be triggered by the word magic because <laughs> it's used. Please don't trigger me. Just the magic. Okay. Just to, you know, play a little, you know, devil's advocate devil's against advocate myself. Here. You're just you trying know? to do it. I'm just trying to be fair. <laughs> so she's not a valued member of this new family. Uh, she is abused, unpaid slave labor <sighs> in this house. She is working from before the sun comes up until late in the night. She hints at beatings later in life. At one point, she falls asleep late at night when she is darning, and they take her shoes off and make her stand out in the snow, <gasps> which is psycho because that's how her dad died. That's like psychological torture yeah. to do that. 
they said we had wanted an older child so they were often upset or displeased with her abilities to work in the house it's like okay but also it's like the 1800s just take her back and get a different one yeah like it's you don't need her you don't need her um so all through annie's life she never reveals the first or last names of these people in all of her books and all of her discussion of them she just calls them the wolves um and even in the autobiography she started writing they're the wolves which to me is so kesha like the end of her song praying when she says when i'm finished they won't even know your name i think that line is the most incredible power move like i'm not accusing fucking anyone but when i'm done I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so but I'm guessing it's about that the producer, the producer, the producer yeah, I've just abuse never heard situation. Of the song before. So the song "Praying" is like a really traumatic song. Listen to it on the way home; you'll cry. But at the end of the second verse, she says, "And when I'm done, they won't even know your name." Like I'm not going to bring that. him up. I'm just going to power myself through it and yeah. say what I need to say. So it. this is what Annie Oakley was doing. What's even crazier, though, is that these people are nuts they're writing letters to her mom being like annie's doing great on her schoolwork. her life is so good we're having such a fun time and at one point her mom even wrote to them and was like we miss her can she come home and they're like that would be terrible for annie she's you know being acculturated so well into our family i'm sorry what is this camp green lake exactly dig it dig them up them holes dig them <laughs> They're lying. They're lying. Straight up lying about this. That yeah. is so awful. So then, two years into this slave labor, Annie takes her own life into her hands and runs away when they're gone. The wolves are gone. <gasps> she goes straight to a train station. But she has no plan. She has nothing. And um, she's standing there trying to buy a train ticket. And a random man, who we will never know who he is, takes pity on her, and buys her a train ticket so she can get out of there. Stop it. Annie includes this man in her prayers for the rest of her life. <gasps> but we don't know who he is. I have chills. He just bought her a ticket to get out of there. He's his, her little savior. He I, saw a little girl in need and saved her life. I heard a story about this recently. Yeah. About this young Mormon boy from Utah, mm-hmm. and he came to New York, and a rich man said, I saw you seeing like this play. He goes, you were so into it. Go see like Sweeney Todd. He goes, it'll change your life. And it did. And then that boy went on to become a Broadway star Shut because up. he was like Sweeney Todd. Like the like I then was like, I need to be on Broadway. And he mm-hmm. did. And then they reunited on NPR. <laughs> so can you believe that? It's crazy. I do love that less interesting story. When I was in Cleveland, I was walking with producer and the girls down the street really early morning outside uh-huh. of a really fancy hotel. And this little girl in like a hoodie, she's maybe 17 years old, was like, excuse me, ma'am, can I use your phone? And I was like, sure. I'm like dead sure that something bad happened to her in that hotel that night. Oh, but no. I stood there while she called her mom and told her mom where she was. And then I was like, do you need me to wait with you like this, that or the other? She was like, no, my mom's on her way. Her mom called my phone a couple times. I told her where she was in front of the hotel, blah, blah, Uh blah. But the point is, I always tell my daughters, if you are in trouble, find a woman with children walking down the street. Yeah. That's who you, that's the only safe person to ask. Yeah. I'm always like, find a woman with children. She'll help you. Yeah. She, she gets this train ticket. She finally gets home. Her mother's appalled. Her mother's like so upset that she's been in slavery. And, um, but 
Unfortunately for her mom, her circumstances haven't changed. She still can't afford Annie, so she sends her back to the infirmary. But the leaders of the infirmary are also appalled that yeah. this like farmer duped them as well. Everybody believes Annie. There's nobody who do- can you <laughs> believe shock. that? No, I know. I, I put it in all caps. Woo! Lost a cocktail. Threw my cocktail everywhere. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I have two more. Yeah, <laughs> really. We really are overflowing tonight. Um, so everybody believes her. It's wonderful that that happens. And then the master and mistress of the infirmary, I think paying their own debts, really take her in. They're like, okay, you can be part of our family. You'll be responsible for the dairy on the farm. We're going to teach you math. We're going to teach you reading. We're going to teach you sewing. We're going to make sure you're happy and secure. Finally, her mother remarries for a third time and there's enough room and money for annie to return home thank god i know this is like a good part of the story annie is 15 and she's finally able to come home and live with her mother and those sisters that remain in the house annie had began trapping animals when she was five or six years old and shooting by eight so she quickly picks this back up she makes arrangements with local stores to sell them rabbit and quail, etc., for extra money, becoming very well known in the community as the person who provides meat. There is what a story is, is it the divergent person? Not divergent. I was going to say Katniss. Uh, fuck, yeah, Katniss. That's what I'm thinking. Katniss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Katniss did that. She like makes deals and brings everybody food. She's doing it so well at this point that she pays off her mother's mortgage. <laughs> and she said, my heart leapt for joy when I handed that money to my mother. And he's around, well known around town. She's lived in different places. She's worked for different people. She's selling meat under the radar. Everybody knows her. And people are asking specifically for her meat because it's a clean shot. That's what they say in the book. I know about Katniss. <laughs> oh Isn't that crazy? God. Yes, it's a clean shot. We want her shot. Oh my um, God. I just <laughs> less bullets to eat during dinner. I guess. I guess. <laughs> also, she was having fun with it. She wouldn't shoot animals that were just sitting around eating. She was like, "I need something more entertaining." So she only <laughs> shot animals on the run. She's like, "I really need to hone my skills here." So one of the stores was so happy about her success that they buy her a new easy load gun <laughs> because they're like, obviously, you need some help. In the county where she lives, there's a competitive, uh, or really in the country of America in general, there's competitive shooting is becoming common, but mm-hmm. just regular shooting. Like her town would have a shooting target competition and the winner would get a turkey if they won. And it was like once a year, which is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and she won it so many years in a row, they stopped letting her compete and they would give out two turkeys, one to Annie <laughs> and one to the person who won. In terms of the nation, though, a new craze had taken hold. Trick shooting. Thousands of people would come out to see an exhibition shooter. They had new guns called repeaters, which could load in seconds instead of that crazy process I talked Mm -hmm. about earlier. They're clay pigeons, so you don't have to shoot real birds Mm -hmm. because they have that machine that you can shoot them out. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so people would do speed shooting and like fun trick shooting. And it was a, a mixture of speed and accuracy. You could shoot a cord a- cork out of a bottle, an apple off of someone's head, a playing card in half. Like people are really shooting cool things. Yeah. But one of the best trick shooters in the country was a man named Frank Butler. Frank says that there are maybe two or three dudes in the whole country that could beat him on a bad day. 
So on Thanksgiving of 1875, he is traveling and he's in Cincinnati. He's a traveling marksman. He's a former dog trainer. There's dogs in his gun show. It's a dream. He's great. So there's a few stories of what went down this day. There's actually a billion stories of what went down this day. (laughs) This is the day that changes Annie's life. Um, the first story is that Frank is at a bar, Frank Butler, and these like guys at the bar, like you, you we'll bet you a hundred bucks. You can't beat everybody in town, man. And he's like, okay, I'm the, one of the best trick shooters yeah. in the country. We're in like the outskirts of hillbilly Cincinnati. I'm yeah. sure. And he's like, I needed the money. So I took the bet. The other story is that the hotel he was staying at, the concierge, his name was Jack Frost. <laughs> bullshit first of all but that he was like i make a hundred dollar bet you can't beat everybody in this town and which was like two thousand dollars in that day's money i'd much more believe the bar story that's much more fun <laughs> every person in town comes to see frank butler and he's like okay this is kind of weird there's so many people, so many people here. uh but he's like no pressure i am i perform in front of crowds all the time but he's standing there waiting for some guy with missing teeth and a civil war scar to come out of the crowd uh-huh. Uh-huh. and five foot nothing petite little maybe teenager maybe 20 annie <gasps> phoebe and moses, moses. <laughs> walks out uh-huh. and his jaw hits the ground he is later he said he almost died of shock <laughs> A uh, couple of details here. We don't know if they were shooting real birds or clay pigeons. We don't know how close the competition was. We don't know if Annie was 15 or 21. And we'll <laughs> talk about why her age is so weird later. But what we do know is she beat Frank Butler. And we also know that he was smitten as fuck. <laughs> he is obsessed with her. He said, right then, I decided if I could get that girl, I'd do it. <laughs> I hope she was 21. My God. Yeah, I hope so too. (laughs) (laughs) While Frank's in town, he invites Annie to his show and he shoots an apple off of his dog's head and then his dog picks up the apple and brings it to Annie's feet. Oh. (laughs) How did that dog do that at that show? I will never know. I would die. I would absolutely die. The whole relationship is just starting off in such a crazy way, but it is overly misreported and fictionalized because of plays and movies most plays and movies pit frank and annie against one another as rivals and constant competitions which is where we get the song anything you can do i can do better some movies even show annie purposely losing to frank to save his manhood which is not true i can't not imagine her doing that (laughs) they fell in love at first sight and neither of them ever looked back this is an epic love story of the americas for the ages they end up performing together she becomes more famous than him he supports her he's not jealous he loves her he writes her love poems we still have (gasps) they spend the rest of their lives together happily no they travel together every day of their lives They're so in love, Katie. I'm shocked. They are so in love. I'm obsessed with that. I know. (gasps) I know. It broke my heart the more I was reading it. So, uh, okay. Sorry. I'm just like really overwhelmed (laughs) by the idea. It's really beautiful. So he was a little older. Um, he had been married and and had a child and divorced before. So he's married, divorced, and had a child. But he wasn't a ton older. He's not like fifty, right? And she is. 
I err towards 21 because if she was 16 at the time, it would have been while he was still married. And Annie is a strict Quaker and lives that way her whole life. Um, and we also see later when she ages herself down. So it's very clear. I think she definitely was then in her 20s. Yes, because she was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just a beautiful thing. He was so taken by her. But I will tell you, not only do Wikipedia and YouTube mess up her dates a Official public biographies really mess up her dates. And the um, women on History Chicks really laid out the dates to show you how so many people have fucked it up and how here's the right ones. God bless them. Yeah, thank God. God. Either way, sometime between June 20th, 1882 and August 23rd, 1876, Annie and Frank got married in Ontario. They get married. Canada. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just surprised I went so far north. Yeah. (laughs) So regardless of how old she is, Frank had already had this show, a shooting act with this other guy, and it showed up in Cincinnati in 1880 for the first time. This is Frank's show. But one day his partner gets sick. This is after he'd met Annie before they're married. He calls Annie in. And uh, he has Annie stand in for his partner. And um, it was her job to lay out the guns, make sure they're locked and loaded, put the bottles in the right place so he can shoot them, this, that, and the other. And then Frank had missed a couple shots. And somebody in the crowd yells, let the girl shoot. (laughs) And Frank gives her the gun, and she hit every single shot and on the way off the stage she kicked her ankle up like you do like when you get kissed in a love movie Uh and that became her signature move she's breaking hearts all over the country for kicking up her ankle and frank fired his business partner immediately (laughs) and had annie on board so it is butler and oakley she Show. is like the original cool girl. I know. So jealous of her. She's amazing. She's like the girl that can do a kickflip at the skate park. <sighs> I know, and you hate her, you but you also love her. Hate her. And you're like, I want to be friends. But you're rooting with you. for her. You're rooting. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> I love you, and your two braids and your backwards hat. And I'll never can... not be jealous of you, mm-hmm. Emma. It's an inside joke for Allie and I. <laughs> um, Put it out there. Better book we read. It's fine. <laughs> Some people. Um, so anyway, Annie and Frank. They're in Cincinnati. She adopts the stage name at this point, Oakley. Some people think it's the name of the man who paid her ticket. We don't know his fucking name. The train guy. We don't. She picked Oakley. We don't know why she picked Oakley. Any Oakley's cute. Her and Frank probably sat up and talked about it like me and producer and want to go Wednesday. You just figure it out. You you come up with a name. It's a Her Story on the Rocks. You text back and forth. We have a Mm -hmm. list of names that we did not choose (laughs) for this show. Um, But no one knows why. So Frank and Annie are now on tour together. He always, at every show, acknowledges that she's a better shot. He did teach her trick shots. He teach her teaches her how to shoot out a lit candle. But she's just good. Yeah. She's really good. So the two join the vaudeville circuit. Mm. They're still competing in competitions on the side to make extra cash. Every town you go in, they're like, we have a trick shot competition. And they always show up and they always win. But there are several trick shooters in the country at this time that are women. It's not weird for Annie Oakley to be the only woman. But she is very petite and the guns are so big and she's extremely talented and she gets these fans because she's an actress yeah she is showing off but also she's not sexy she's being family friendly on purpose some of these trick shooter women were being very vaudeville circus Uh sexy and that's not annie okay 
she refuses that type of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so she even has a very famous fan, Sitting Bull, who Sitting Bull was the last major Native American person to have an uprising against the federal government. He was legendary worldwide. He meets Annie Oakley and is so impressed by her skills that he offers her $65 for a photograph with her. And this is like, that's hundreds of dollars at that point. And um, the admiration and respect between the two of them increases throughout the years. And the... What people say is that he has a daughter that passed and Annie really reminded him of that daughter and he gives her a Native American name. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it in Native American, but it was Little Big Shot and that (gasps) became what goes across all her banners. Little Big Shot. Yeah. I I love that. I know. Sitting Bull gave her that name (sighs) and that's why it's on all of her posters. (sighs) So Frank and Annie want a steady paycheck, so they join the circus. Yay! You said they were the circus act. They, they, they are, but just for a bit, and they hate it. Okay. I want to remind <laughs> you, though, the reputation of the circus. They are people of ill repute, and mm-hmm. Annie and Frank are Quakers and conduct themselves accordingly. Um, they don't drink, or Annie doesn't drink. Frank doesn't drink a lot. They're quiet. They dress in Victorian clothing. Uh, but what really made Annie mad about the circus was that people thought that trick shooters were cheating. <gasps> no. And she just didn't want people to think she was cheating. So she wanted to perform in the daylight in open circuits as much as possible to prove she wasn't cheating. She's like, I'm not a carny. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So now she and Frank hear about this amazing family-friendly show, Buffalo Bill's Wild West, and her and Frank try out for it. But they already have a trick shooter, so they pass on Annie. (gasps) But a few months later, the guy who was the trick shooter, Buffalo Bill's wasn't big at this point, It wasn't famous yet. Mm -hmm. He leaves. He's like, I can make more money doing this somewhere else. So they call Annie down for a tryout. Her and Frank travel to like Kentucky or something to do this tryout. But she's just outside practicing at one point. Left-handed, right-handed, behind my back, shooting a glass thing, shooting a candle, shooting a playing card. And Bill's business partner just happened to be out there watching her. And Buffalo Bill's business partner, without talking to him, hires her on the spot. (laughs) Um, Frank is not hired as a shooter. He is the man behind the woman. He sets up the table. He sets up her guns. He does her publicity and just stays with her through all of this. Bill is the Wild West that Annie never claimed to be. He was a Civil War vet. Before that, he rode the Pony Express. He hunted thousands of buffalo for people to eat. He uh, was a womanizing asshole. (laughs) He is literally the Wild West. Buffalo Bill. But Annie loves him so much much she said she describes him as the most loyal employer she's ever had he called her little missy and required (laughs) that everybody on the cast called her missy and treated her with the utmost respect if everybody in town all the boys in the show were out drinking and they saw annie coming down the street they had to cross the (gasps) road they were not allowed to go near annie oakley okay this is like so unfair that she gets little missy and Little Big Shot. Mm-hmm. That's so unfair mm-hmm. that she gets both of those. I know. Little What's Missy. next, Kitty Pride? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Very cute. So the Buffalo Bill show is crazy. If you don't know anything about it, don't 
feel weird. I didn't either until I went and I saw they have a diorama of the camp that they would move into mm-hmm. towns. There is a Native American section because Native American actual actors played the, quote, Indians wow. in the show. They had real Native Americans playing that part. They had cowboys. They had stagecoaches. They had horses and cows and everything you could think in a Wild West because what they're doing is they're having, like, okay, we have a really shitty little um, frontier town frontier town in in Maryland, not in Baltimore, in uh, <laughs> the Eastern Shore down near Ocean City at, near Salisbury, and it is, like, the shittiest Wild West town. You can get it for $12. You'll make a day of it. It's grand. You get to go on a stagecoach. It gets robbed. There's Can yeah. Can Girls. <laughs> Delightful. It's really crazy. But that's what this show was. Originally, there are... The Native Americans are performing war dances and they're hunting. They are having fake holdups and fake stagecoach um, robberies. They're having lassoing like a real rodeo. They're having Annie doing her trick shots. Like it is a circus of the Wild West and it's amazing. I'm not going to lie. It sounds really fun. <laughs> it would be really, really great to see uh, if they weren't like abusing animals, which Ugh. I'm sure they were. Yeah. And the grand finale is, like, this holdup of this famous stagecoach that Buffalo Bill, like, actually went and got an old actual stagecoach and refurbished it for this end scene. I like that, too. We're calling it, like, an old stagecoach. <laughs> and, like, we're still in, like, the 1800s. 1800s. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not even that old. <laughs> exactly. So Annie was pretty early in the show because she was sweet and girly and would skip out and would wave to people and make them feel comfortable. And Frank had her table full of weapons and she would do trick shots and wave and lay backwards over the table. And then she would set her gun 15 feet away, walk away. Frank would throw something in the air. She would run and get the gun and then turn and shoot it before it fell. Annie, get your gun. My She was great. Um, and one time a guy in the crowd claimed that she was cheating. So she asked for his watch and he threw it up in the air and she shot it out of the air. And then, sorry, it won't keep time anymore is what she said to him. She should have said, now you remember the exact time it was when you were proven to be a dickhead. You're an alpha male, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course she would kick her foot and leave. But then Bill did something kind of weird. He hires a 15-year-old sharpshooter girl, and it's a slap in the face. She had a tense professional rivalry with this girl, Lillian Smith. She's 11 years older than her. And it's the primary reason that Annie altered her age, because the younger girl was getting more favorable press. So especially because Lillian was always like, Annie Oakley's going down. She had like no respect for her elders, which there's no class there, Lillian. No. No class. And even though there wasn't a cordial relationship, I am happy to tell you that anytime they competed head to head, Annie won. Good. Yeah. (laughs) The Wild West was disappearing, but England still loved it. Queen Victoria is like... I'm about to have a triple hundred jubilee. Can Buffalo Bill please come and perform? They take the entire show across the Atlantic Ocean on a boat. The Native American people, the cowboys, hundreds of thousands of cows and horses are going across the Atlantic on a boat. They get to England. They're living in England. While they're there, over the course of their stay, they perform for 2.5 million people. 
Prince Edward and his wife Alexandra come to meet them. And all of them had been like told exactly how to talk to royals. But Annie walks up and shakes her hand first because she was so mad that he was openly cheating on her. <gasps> so she was like, I'm sorry, in America, it's ladies first. And just <laughs> like went straight fucking in for it. Was like, sorry, Prince Edward. I love that. She was the first American star of England. She performed for Queen Victoria, but not with a full theater. No, they put on the whole production with 25 people. What? For Queen Victoria. Because at this point, Albert had been dead for a really long time. She had her suitor. She never went out in public anymore. Um, So she comes out to see the show. 25 people, this whole show. The King of Italy comes to see them in England. The President of France comes to see them. Uh, Annie shoots the ashes off of the cigarette of the King of Germany on his request off of his cigarette that he's smoking. The King of Senegal offers Frank to buy her. (laughs) Obviously, there's a little bit of translation weirdness there. He's like, my wife is not for sale. They didn't also broadcast very openly that she was married. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Victoria calls her a clever little girl, and she's invited to dinners and dances all over England. She gave lessons to during her career to 15,000 women in England teaching them how to shoot. She said, I would like to see every woman know how to handle guns as naturally as they know how to handle babies. <laughs> in some cases, she broke gender barriers in England, being the first woman ever allowed to shoot on certain ranges. This is how golf is now. Yeah. She is like being allowed to come because she is such a good marksman. Mm-hmm. Mark's woman. (laughs) So uh, in Spain, Annie is shocked when after her show, she sees some women rummaging in the trash for like leftover Annie Oakley stuff. And she's Mm. like, what are you doing? And they're like, this is going to make us some money. So from that point on, Annie becomes a big philanthropist donating money to women and children around the globe. Oh, my God. Then something happened. We don't really know what. But she and Frank have some sort of disagreement with Buffalo Bill. No one really talks about it. Um, Maybe he thought she was getting too much attention in England. I don't know. But they break off of his show for a couple years. They work for a rival show. They're winning a lot of cash in shooting competitions. And then during that time, this book comes out called The Rifle Queen about her. But it's all fiction. (gasps) None of it's real. It's like, she was born and raised in the Wild West. She was a bandit queen. She hunted a panther in the Amazon. And she's just like, whatever, I'll let it, I'll let it go. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever, that book's fine. But during the end of the 19th century, Frank and Annie are getting a little older. So they buy a home in New Jersey and they travel for half the year and then live in New Jersey for the other half. This is the first time she ever has servants. So it's kind of crazy for her. They've made a lot of money. Uh, They make an appearance, of course, at the World Fair, the Chicago (laughs) World Fair, um, because they're back kind of with Buffalo Bill at this point. It was only like a two year break that they were mad at each other. But the Wild West, sh- West show was not seen as classy enough for the Chicago World Fair, <laughs> so they make them go, like, across the street. So that Annoying. people, but people didn't mind crossing the street to go see it because it's a fucking huge show that everybody wants to see Annie Oakley. I also love the idea of across the street because, yeah. like, the Chicago World's Fair was ginormous. Yeah, it was yeah like it's tiny like probably town. across town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of that. <laughs> yeah. This is when they're friends with Thomas Edison, who shoots the film of her shooting. Um, 
Annie supported then women in combat. We're in like the Spanish-American War era. And she writes a letter to President McKinley offering her service. She's like, me and 50 lady sharpshooters are prepared to fight in this war. And she hears crickets back in return. After he gets assassinated, she's hobnobbing with Teddy Roosevelt and again offering her and all these sharpshooter women who are really good at their jobs. He turns her down, but does let her come train some male soldiers. That's so irritating. (laughs) Very irritating. Oakley gets badly injured in a train accident when her train collides with another train. Um... None of the people die. A lot of horses die. It's like over 200 horses no. die in this train accident. She has to recover from a temporary paralysis and like five spinal operations. She left uh, the life of gun shows at that point for a while for a less taxing career where she is a stage actress. People what? are right. She, they're like, you were good, like acting. So they're writing a stage play. She plays Nancy Barry, who used a pistol and a rifle to outsmart a group of outlaws. So it's a very cute stage play that she's a part of. But after that train accident, newspapers are putting pictures of her up now. And she's 41. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that the train accident made her hair turn white overnight when really she'd probably been graying for a long time, yeah. but they've been publishing old pictures of Annie Oakley. Yeah. And now she's in a full adult middle-aged woman. It's also like, just like how, how dare women age? Right. Like- <laughs> yes, exactly. How dare she age? Um, so like she- I'm sure no one is saying like, wow, after the Chicago world fell, like Buffalo Bill really went downhill. <laughs> His like frown lines are crazy. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, she, after that, wears a brown wig for the rest of her life. She's no. like so embarrassed. She's so, so embarrassed. It's really sad. Um, that after this, even worse, a worse thing happens to Annie. A false story comes out that some people were transporting cocaine from Canada down into America, and the woman who's arrested uses the name Annie Oakley. <gasps> no. So all over the newspapers, it's saying that Annie Oakley, this pious, pious Quaker woman, has been transporting cocaine. She, like, travels the country trying to get people to take down this story and most people do it immediately oh, and some people are like no the story is too good she spends seven years and twenty thousand dollars in liable cases which is six hundred thousand dollars in today's oh money God. to earn her reputation back she just there wasn't a way to publicly come out on tv and tell everybody right, i no didn't Twitter, do it there's right. no like yeah there's no way to reach mass amounts of people no so she's very upset um at this point butler Builds a brick bungalow in Cambridge, Maryland. No. And it has recently been put on the National Historical <gasps> Register. And you can see it in Cambridge. It's called the Annie Oakley House. Now we I can all go see. to look it look ah. up. She went on the road again in her 50s to make some more money. She earns top billing on all of the flyers. The word Annie Oakley is the biggest. That's how you know you've made it. So she continues to set records into her 50s and 60s because she never stopped competing in gun competitions, Mm -hmm. even while she was performing. And she never stopped with her extensive philanthropy for women, for little girls, for other causes. In her wills, she left five times as much money for her nieces than her nephews. 
a lot of uh, interest goes into getting Annie to go into the suffrage movement. And she says, it might not be too bad if only the good ones can vote. <laughs> Annie, Annie! Why? Why'd you say that? You gotta have one blemish. <laughs> right. But for her, in her career, the men had always helped her. They were always nice to her. And it was the women's reaction to her that pissed her off. Oh, She yeah. didn't like the way that they would like offhandedly talk about her. And her biggest annoyance was that when men did shots, they were called marksmen. And when she took a shot, they called it a neat trick. What a neat trick Annie did. She also then took a lot of money to support the Red Cross and gave a ton of money to finding the cure for tuberculosis, which killed a lot of the people in her family. Yeah. She intended to do um, like this comeback tour in her 60s where she's like hitting 100 clay pigeons in 16 yards and blah, 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 blah. But then she gets in another car crash. Now there was a train crash. It's a car crash. 1922. She had to wear a steel brace (gasps) for the rest of her life. She eventually performs again after more than a year of recovery. But the symptoms that she's having, people don't think it's from the car crash. They think it's from her handling lead bullets for such a long period of time. Anne was, Annie was tired. She had like muscle problems. She had bone problems. And it really looks like she had lead poisoning, like long-term lead poisoning. She settles down in her home with Frank to write an autobiography. It's really hard for her because she's like, how the fuck do I write about my life? So Frank is like hiring a professional writer to come in and help her. She gets a couple chapters done before she succumbs to her illness. So we really only have a few pages of her autobiography unedited. Um, And she passed away in her sleep at 66 in November. What? This is super sad because it just so happened that in all their lives they never spent time apart but frank was out of town when she died and they never were apart he was severely depressed stopped eating and died 18 days later (gasps) the two of them could not they couldn't handle being apart from one another they loved each other so much they were cremated and their ashes were put in their gun shooting trophies and they were buried in ohio right near her mom's old house (laughs) She has a billion books and stage plays, and she's in so many halls of fames. There are Halloween costumes, and Annie Oakley is a household name, and she's a fictional comic book character and superhero. Um, But really, she was just a great influence for women. She donated money for girls and orphans. Uh, There's a book about her about how her stardom gave hope to women and youth in America called Her Best Shot, Women and Guns in America. And I want to leave us with Annie's quote because I don't think I've ever heard something (laughs) describe her more. The marksman who hesitates is lost. Just take it for granted that you're going to hit and fire away before you have time to doubt the certainty of success. That is Annie Oakley's story. I am shocked. Blown away, right? There's so much more to that. I love her romance with Frank that is so sweet. And and just pure. Yeah, so very pure. pure. Ah, I love it. All right. Well, now we need to talk about these two ladies in conversation with each other in a little segment we like to call Just the Two of Us. Okay, right off the bat, big age difference in the parents. Yeah. That was really weird. There are a lot of, like, parallels between, like, the little details in their lives. I agree. So big age difference, one being born into wealth, one being born kind of into, you know, low middle class poverty. 
Um, like both of them are kind of exiled very yes. early on in life. I wrote that. They also have like a lot of siblings. There's a lot of death with the siblings. Mm-hmm. Like they both died in November. Like there's a lot of like odd parallels between them. Um, but I also feel like one of the biggest similarities I saw in between them, and maybe this is because of like these odd things like being exiled, being kind of on the fringes for a little bit, but being a part of big families was that like they had to be very capable young women. Oh yeah. Like they had to be better than the average woman to like help them survive and help their families survive. And it also seemed like that created this essence in them where they would reach down for the lesser, mm-hmm. but not for the equals. Yeah. They were like, like Isabella was like, look, I am really against enslaving native indigenous people, mm-hmm. but I don't give a shit about us murdering yeah. these Catholic people. And Annie was very similar. She was like, I really want to help these orphan children, but I'm not really worried about the right to vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the big picture is lost, even though they're yeah. focusing on these very important details. We need yeah. somebody to focus on that. Mm-hmm. But it's very weird that they both did that. It is weird. And I also was thinking about them taking things into their own hands. I feel like they, like, obviously, like, Annie had a lot of respect for the men in her life, Mm -hmm. you know, but she was also like, but I also need to make things happen for myself. Like, when she was with that abusive family, she was like, I need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to do this. And I feel like Isabella did that a lot in her life, where she was like, okay, like, I made this deal with my brother to, like, satisfy him and, like, stop the war that, like, he could pick my husband, but he's not doing a good job. And, like, Castile is going to fall if I don't become queen and, like, mm-hmm. fix this. <laughs> you know and I feel saying? like that's how Annie was bouncing around between things. She's like, yeah. I'm not really into vaudeville. I'm not really into circus. I'm going to join the show I want to be in. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think uh, it was interesting how they, to me, both of them in weird ways seem like perfect power couples. I said the like, same thing. Like, they married equals. They did. And they did it on purpose. Yes. It was like, I am choosing to marry you, and we are making this pact that we are going to balance each other instead of command one another. Yes. Are they mates? Are they mates, maybe? I would say so. (laughs) Um, I don't know if Ferdinand and Isabella had the love that Annie and Frank had. I don't think most political marriages did. No, but they made the best of it, you know? like, And I think that both couples were trying to kind of challenge systems that like they all often didn't have a lot of control over Mm -hmm. so i'm thinking about how like ferdinand and isabella went into like their court if you want to call it that right and like changed things they're like okay we need to change things for the better because like it's not working in Mm -hmm. this capacity and i feel like isabella and frank did that like frank could have gone in and demanded like okay you can have annie but like you're gonna have me as well like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be a part of the show but he just like didn't do that like i felt like Ferdinand and Frank both kind of gave their wives space to like be who they were, but they weren't silent. Like Mm. we know who Frank Butler is. We have photos of him. We know how successful he was. So it's like, they weren't like you only and like, I'll just be in the background, but they were like, Oh no, like we're in this together, you know? And like, I'm here to support you for like whatever things you need. Except Ferdinand did kind of, you know, go against the her whole like don't enslave the people thing. right of but, course yeah you know. um well <laughs> i actually think that's a good place to move because the direct result you know of the of sitting bull and the buffalo bills mm-hmm. you know wild west show like the native americans are tokenized in that yeah. show now mm-hmm. they were being paid 
to to be in the show and you know at that point we get a lot of that when we talked about um uh Aunt Jemima how it's like you are being paid right and, and it, it wasn't like white people pretending to be Native Americans right like which is actually... another positive thing <laughs> but it is the direct result of the colonizing of North and South America that we yeah. do have this cowboys versus indians show that we can put on and it's like an eventual look at these war dances it's very uh-huh. peter pan-esque where yes. it's like the reason it's like this is because of the money that you know the castile right. fortune put into columbus and that sucks I didn't it's, a direct that. Domino yeah, it's a effect. direct domino effect yeah, that's like really weird to think about that like all like you know we know a lot of things are connected in history but this is like so directly <laughs> yeah there are two very specific things that happen in these stories that would not have happened if the other didn't ha- you know yeah no that's such a good point i don't that's really wild to think about <laughs> I, I, it's mind-blowing and it's also weird to think about like religious freedom i thought was a really big part of this because the quakers obviously came to this country for religious freedom mm-hmm. uh away from the church of england and away from the catholic holy roman catholic church mm-hmm. um and they are just so different than yeah. most churches and i'm not saying the quakers are perfect i just yeah. know that in all the stories we've covered they've been pretty fucking chill yeah well and also i think there's a something to say too about them having a very specific religious identity and then wanting to maintain that mm-hmm. it's like Isabella was the Catholic monarch. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that dedication to Catholicism led to the Spanish Inquisition, which is a terrible, terrible thing. But I feel like on the same coin, we have Annie who is like, if that story came out, if she's like, she could have been like, I don't care what people, like, whatever. Like, everybody around me knows. Who cares? But for her, it, it carried so much more weight because of her religious belief. Like, I think that she really held the Quaker beliefs and the Quaker reputation sacred. Like she's like, I think she could see like, she's like the Quakers do so much good. And now if there's a story in history that says, but they also peddled cocaine. She'd be like, no, like they see the bigger impacts of their religious identity. And (laughs) I think Annie tried to use it for good. And (laughs) I think there's a part of me that wonders like if Isabella thought like, no, this is good. Like, because in her mind too, it's like, they're going to go to hell if they don't converse. So like Christianity, I need to inquisit them so <laughs> that they get on the right side and they go to heaven. I'm giving her a lot of credit that she probably doesn't deserve, mm. but you know what I'm saying? It's like the religious identity is such a big backdrop yeah. for both of them. I also want to point out just the, uh, really the difficulty of birthing daughters. It's still a problem today in Mm -hmm. a lot of countries. uh, There's an Instagram you can follow called love girl birth Mm -hmm. that it's just having a daughter is seen as a burden in many places in the world and many times throughout history. And we saw it through and through in both of these stories. Yeah. Having girls is a burden on a family. And when the dad dies, you are lost. The yeah. women are lost. The children are lost. And that is why it is a complete disadvantage to disenfranchise women because yeah. you are taking half the population and making them <laughs> useless. Yeah. And that is bullshit. Yeah. Well, kudos to these ladies for not being, you know, forced into their, you know, gender useless roles. gender roles of the time. Right. I love that. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, you ready to toast? I am these ready. Ladies? 
I am. All right, who would you like to toast? I want to toast girls who shoot their shot. Yay! Yay! To Annie. Sure. Shoot your shot, everybody. <laughs> How about you? I'm going to toast the women who have uh, a big vision. Like, I feel like Isabella really went into her role as queen after having molded over for a long time <laughs> and was like, I know what I want to do. I see the problems and like, this is how I'm going to fix them. Perfect. Obviously she went wrong in a lot of ways. <laughs> we cannot ignore that, mm. but at least she had a vision and I don't think that she compromised on it very much. No. So cheers to her. Cheers. All right. Now what are you enjoying in pop culture this week. So it's almost bathing suit season. <laughs> we all know this. So, and I, I think I might have promoted this before, but there is an app called Noom, which mm-hmm. I love. And it, it, you can use the free version of it. If you pay for it, they'll send you like articles specifically yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use it for like meal planning and meal tracking. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about it is you can type in any food from any restaurant and it'll give you the exact calories. Huh. And you... So, like, if I stop at Starbucks and I get a drink and, like, I want to log my meals uh-huh. and I put in my calorie goals for the day, it, I can put in, like, I got a tall caramel macchiato and it'll have exactly what that is. Mm. It has, like, literal brands. I, I ate a Dannon strawberry and, you know, banana yogurt today. Yeah. And what it does is it sorts your food for you into green yellow and red food and it's like during your day Mm -hmm. you can have this many calories of green food which Mm -hmm. is like go good for you Mm -hmm. like you did it and then there's the yellow foods which are like the grains and Uh it's like you need that to survive because it's carbs right and then there's the red (laughs) foods where it's are like the sugars and Uh it's like you should have less of those and it'll sort them and show you where you go over in each set of calories yeah so you can start to gauge like sometimes i'll be like oh i'm eating this and i think it's healthy and then i put it in and it's a red food and i'm like that's weird. Right. I didn't realize like the amount of starch in that, the amount of sugar in that, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So it's just a really nice way. Not like personally, I'm at the point in my thirties where losing weight is not an option. I'm a maintainer right right now, <laughs> but I want to get a healthy mindset wrapped around food and it right. is really helpful. Right. Well, and also because sometimes I feel like it, like food especially can be a bit mindless and like, you're not seeing it kind of like mapped out in the way that is like, I don't know, the way that you kind of like need it to. Because yeah. obviously like there can be the extremes of anything. Like- yeah. You don't <laughs> want to go too far the other way. Oh gosh, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. But I think it's, um, yeah, I am too afraid to actually look at like what I'm consuming. <laughs> well, I, and it's one of those things where it's like, I, like I am not a big promoter of calorie counting because yeah. I, that was very detrimental to me in the past, like mm-hmm. in some really negative brain space ways. But mm-hmm. I do think tracking what you eat and knowing what category it falls in can be right. very healthy. Yeah. Perfect. What are you into? I am into the book that you recommended. <laughs> so good, right? Allie recommended a book. So it's by... <laughs> One of our favorite authors now, Christina Lauren, which is actually two friend authors. Author couples. Book. I love it. Why don't we do that? What is wrong with us? It's called Love and Other Words. And like this book was so good and the characters were so well developed. Um, So it was just like a real delight to read. So if you're looking for like a really great like single book spring read. You don't have to get into a, like... You don't have to get into a series. Single book. Yeah, just read this. It was so good. So Love and Other Words by Christina Lawrence. That's what I'm promoting this Very week. great. 
All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of season 15. Stay tuned for more amazing episodes. And if you'd like to join us for even more fun, you can join our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can hang out with us well after the show. And we're doing so much research this season. So you yeah. are responsible for being in Patreon at this exactly. point. At this point, you're responsible for it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so join us there. Join us on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and all the places we post our epi- cocktails on Tuesdays and then you can play a quiz to see who made which ones. And every day there's us. a today in history. So you yes. know what's going on with women around the world every single day. So Hang out with us. Love us. And if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. Um, But most of all, we want you to never forget that well-behaved women don't enact genocide. No, and they rarely make history. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.